For many of us, Advent is the launching pad to Christmas morning, a 24-day countdown to stockings and presents. We don't think about Advent as first being about the second coming. After all, it's been two millennia since Christ was born, crucified, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit. And for 2,000 years, we've been living somewhere between forgetting about or fretting over His return. Today, let's remember that as followers of Jesus, we are to develop the mind of Christ, doing nothing of selfish ambition. Good morning. Thank you, Tricia, for that most beautiful prayer. And it was absolutely God-given because it fits perfectly with this message today. Good morning and welcome to worship for those of you who are in this sacred space with us today and for those of you who are joining online. And Merry Christmas! It is still Christmas. Remember the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? Well, it's true. There are 12 days of Christmas. The early church, way back in 567, declared it so. Christmas Day was the first day of the 12 days of Christmas. And January 5th is the 12th day of the 12 days of Christmas, with January 6th being recognized as Epiphany which you will hear more about next Sunday. So you have to be here, right? The other day I saw a post on Facebook that read, Christmas is a 12-day feast. It begins on the evening of December 24th and ends the evening of January 5th or 12th night. Practice a deeper Christmas. Stay with the story of the human God. It means so much that God is one of us. The mystery is too great for one day. I agree wholeheartedly that the God who created the entire universe would come to earth as a tiny, helpless baby, that he would live in our world and experience life as we know it, It's really beyond comprehension. So let's not rush past the miracle of miracles. Let's allow it to sink deeply within our hearts and souls every single day. If you happen to be joining us for the first time today, I am Pastor Ann, and I am honored and blessed to serve this congregation along with Pastor Andy, who is celebrating Christmas with his family today up at the lake. Know that we're both glad, though, that you're here today, and you're always welcome to be a part of what God is doing in and through this community of faith here at the Way Woodstock, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Today is New Year's Eve. As Christians, our new year has already begun with the start of Advent on December 3rd. But for our culture and the world at large, the new year begins tomorrow, January 1st. This is a time when we often think about new beginnings and making New Year's resolutions. 
you know, those firm decisions to do or not to do something, as Oxford defines it. It might be that we decide that we will do something to improve our spiritual health, like our, our physical health, we'll start with that, and physical health, like eating healthier, cutting out carbs and sugar, exercising regularly, or getting better rest by going to bed earlier. Or we might decide to do something to improve our spiritual health, like reading our Bible more, praying more, attending worship more regularly, joining a small group, improving our relationships with one another. We might do something to improve our mental health, like removing excess clutter from our lives, laughing more, expressing gratitude more, setting healthy boundaries in relationships, showing appreciation to others. Or it could be that we decide not to do something. We might decide not to spend so much time on Facebook or playing video games or computer games. We might decide not to make impulse purchases. We might decide not to continue unhealthy practices such as smoking. We might decide not to dwell on the negative. Statistically speaking, though, 39% of the goals set are to improve our fitness. 81% are to improve our mental health, which includes our spiritual health, relationships. And 30% of the goals set are to improve finances. Now, as you can see, all of our goals for self-improvement are built around the ambitions of who we want to be, what is important to us, or what we want to accomplish. However, the news is not good. Last year, only about 38% of adults even bothered to set New Year's resolutions. And of those, those 38%, only 9% were able to stick with them for the entire year. 80% of the resolutions were forgotten by February, while 46% of the adults were able to stick with those resolutions for at least six months. Year after year, this is the cycle with people becoming more frustrated and discouraged until finally they just give up setting resolutions at all. Our ambitions do not seem to work. So where are we to begin? Maybe we need to start not with our ambition, but with our attitudes. We need the attitude of Christ. Let's take a look at today's scripture from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, to hear what the Word of God has to say about attitude. Hear the word of God. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, open our eyes, open our ears as we head into a new year, Lord. Let us be more and more about you and your business. Lord, enter into our hearts and into our souls. Pour your Holy Spirit around us, in us, and through us, so that we may indeed bring lightness into this world of darkness. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, we probably don't think of Philippians 2 as a Christmas passage, but it is about what Jesus did by becoming a baby. He emptied himself of all ambition and privilege. He came as that tiny, totally dependent baby. To be like Christ is not a resolution, but a reorientation. Resolutions are about working harder and doing more. But that's like trying to improve on our old nature. When we set a resolution, we're fighting, actually, against our old nature to make the behavioral changes that we would like to see in our life. And it's a battle in which most of the time we fail. But if we reorient ourselves to a new attitude, to have that mind like Christ, where we see ourselves differently, we are much more likely to experience change. Scripture tells us that we have been given a new nature. Romans 6.6 6, For we know that our old nature was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we may no longer be slaves to sin. And then Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 instructs us, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Attitude is a settled way of thinking. Many times we kind of look at ourselves and we give ourselves that excuse that, well, that's just the way I am, you know, and yeah, that's an excuse, because it doesn't have to be. That attitude is a settled way of thinking. 
It's settling into that new nature, but one that only God can give us by his Holy Spirit. Our new nature is not driven by our desires and impulses. Our new nature is driven by the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit in us as we join our life to the life of Christ. As we come to know Christ, to love him, to remember him, and to imitate him in our life, the Spirit is displayed in us. We actually begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit, as described in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I repeat, our new nature is not driven by our desires and impulses. Can you even begin to imagine how living consistently with the same mindset as Jesus Christ could make a difference in our lives and relationships And in our world, Jesus was humble, willing to give up his rights in order to obey God and serve people. Are we willing to give up our rights to obey God? Jesus served God out of love for God and love for others. When we serve, do we serve because we love God and his people, or do we serve because we think we should? Jesus was willing to set aside the right to his glory and power. Are we willing to set aside being in control? Jesus limited his knowledge and power in submission to the Father's will and to fulfill the Father's mission. Do we submit to God's will? Jesus became less in order to fulfill God's plan for salvation for all people. Do we become less to help others? Jesus gave his life so others would not experience the consequences of their sins. Do we give of ourselves, sharing the gospel with others, so that they might receive and experience God's forgiveness? Are we willing to lay aside our rights in order to serve others? Jesus lived a life of truth and grace. He spoke truth with grace. Some listened and others did not. Are we listening? Does our love for God really include our love for all of our fellow human beings including those we might disagree with. This year, as we head into 2024, instead of making resolutions or goals that we might want to accomplish and that we will probably forget about within two months' time, let's do something different. And Tricia hinted at this in her prayer this morning. Let's do something that will assist us in seeing things differently and making attitude changes. 
changes that will help us to reorient our life. Let's take an inventory and see where Christ is leading us. To do this, I encourage you to use a prayer exercise called the examine. It was developed by St. Ignatius, a Catholic priest and theologian, in 1522 as a way to see how the Spirit is moving in our daily lives. In this prayer, we're invited to encounter God, to express gratitude for the gift and the gifts of every day, and to commit to make up for any mistakes that we make along the way. Since it was designed to look back, as a way to look back on each day of our life, we're going to adjust it just a little bit to make a yearly examine. And it has five, six different steps that we'll need to do for this yearly examine. The first thing is to recall the year in detail. To think back over the course of this past year. And as we do this, we pray for the grace to understand how God has been acting in our lives. Where has he been leading us to grow? Then we're going to make a request of the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask him to lead us through this soul-searching, helping us to see the truth clearly. We're going to rejoice whenever we see blessings, and we're going to give thanks to God for the great love that he has for each and every one of us. And then we're going to reflect. We're going to reflect on those times when we felt closer to God, and we're also going to reflect on those times when we felt distant from God. And then we're going to think about those times, the ones when we felt closer to God, what were we thinking? What were we doing? What were we saying? And those times when we felt distant from God, what were we doing? What did we say or think to ourselves in those instances? Then we're going to repent and confess whatever sinful patterns or attitudes that we've seen in ourselves in the past year. We're going to acknowledge the mistakes and the failures that we make, asking God for forgiveness and healing. He is the one who forgives and heals. And then we're going to reboot. And we're going to take time to prayerfully consider how you can be more like Jesus, how each of us can be more like Jesus in this new coming year. We'll think about how we might be able to more effectively collaborate with God in his plan for our lives. As Christians, we seek to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we do fall short. Why is this if we've been given a new nature? Sometimes I think it's because we tend to agree with the bumper sticker that we see on cars sometimes. Not perfect, just forgiven. But if we're serious about our faith and God's work in our lives and in our world, we won't settle for just being forgiven. As wonderful as that is, because God has so much more in store for us. 
As we've seen in this sermon series that we're completing in the next today and tomorrow, next Sunday, God's counting on each and every one of us to be part of his mission of redemption. But this can only happen as we give ourselves to him, as Tricia so beautifully talked about in her prayer, each day, every moment. As we give ourselves to him, he can transform our minds and our hearts. And this transformation happens as we examine ourselves as well, as we humbly come before God, confessing where we fall short, and seeking his will for us to follow more closely within his footsteps. We have to see ourselves clearly in order to allow God's Spirit to help us make the correction of course that our lives needed. The examine is one way of doing that. Another way is to pray, pray the Wesley Covenant Renewal Prayer as we examine our hearts. In 1775, John Wesley introduced a covenant service as an important part of the spiritual life in the Methodist societies. This renewal service was a time for the Methodists to gather together annually in a time of self-reflection and dedication, wholly giving up themselves and renewing their covenant with God. Repentance through confession and commitment was a key to, to focus of, of this service demanding humility for those willing to submit themselves to the, to the dynamic words stated within the liturgy. Let the words of this prayer speak to you as we join together in seeking to grow in the same mindset of Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. It's going to be on the screens. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your hope and service. And now, O oh glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. Amen. May it be so. We live in a world in desperate need of a Savior. This world is a scary place, with people turning one against another, with countries turning against one another. Yet our God tells us, do not be afraid. None of us know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And I believe that every one of us 
have been called for such a time as this. May we stand firm in the promises of God, live by the Spirit which has been poured into us, and may we point others to the light that shines in the midst of the darkness of this world, Jesus. We do live in a world in desperate need of a Savior. May our lives demonstrate that there's another way to live. May we help others find the way, the truth, and the life. I woke up this morning with the words of this song running through my mind, so I suppose I figured that maybe I was supposed to share them with you today. But may they be the words of our heart today and every day of this coming year. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say the words. You'll re- some of you will recognize this song because our praise team has sung it before. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. The song goes on and says, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I sing a hallelujah. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. And we all face storms. Louder and louder, you're going to hear our praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, you search our hearts and you see every part of us. All our desires are known to you. And from you, no secrets are hidden. By the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts so that we may perfectly love you and glorify your holy name. Continue to draw us ever closer to you, Lord, that we may indeed show others the way. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.